Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Wednesday, June 24th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Spread your wings. Give them a follow on Twitter at Yingling Beer. Here's what's coming up on this episode of Flyers Daily. A exclusive conversation with former Flyer Hall of Famer Bobby Clark. A very interesting and insightful conversation, digging into everything from the NHL pause, the integrity of the Stanley Cup, Bob Clark's golf game, and a ton more. So that is coming up on this episode. And really, the big news uh, in this episode, not that it's Hall of Fame Day, which they will announce the NHL Hall of Fame class of 2020. No, not that Hub Cities and Pittsburgh is knocked out of the mix, and we'll get the Hub Cities announcement uh, possibly by the end of this week for Phase 4 of the, or Phase 3, part of Phase 3 of the NHL getting returned to play. No, it is the fact that Flyer forward Oscar Limbaum was back on the ice at the practice facility as part of Phase 2, still uh, working on his treatments for Ewing sarcoma, which he was diagnosed in December of last year uh, with and uh, has been going through ever since. And it was so good to see Oscar Limbaum back on the ice. PR man Zach Hill uh, catching some pictures and some video of Oscar out there skating around, working through some drills, getting back with his teammates. And uh, President of Hockey Operations and General Manager Chuck Fletcher had the following statement on Oscar being back out there today. And he said, quote, it was great to see him out there. He looked really good on the ice. His hands are still there. It is remarkable to think that with all the treatments that he has had, he was able to go out there today and still show the skill and still have the stamina to skate for about 35 to 40 minutes. It's a great sign for him and very exciting to think that with all going with all going well in the future, he's going to return to play for us. Obviously, phase 2 is voluntary and every player and staff member must follow very strict guidelines and rules. Our practice facility is a very safe environment, safer than most places." End quote. So everybody echoing that very same sentiment as Chuck Fletcher, seeing it on social media. Just really good to see Oscar Lindblom back on the ice. And uh, he's been such an inspirational part for the Philadelphia Flyers since his diagnosis in, in late December. And a big part, he's a big part of this team and a big part of the reason why they were able to turn around and have the season they were having. And he'll be a big part, even though he won't be playing in the playoffs, he'll be a big part of the inspiration and motivation for uh, the, his fellow teammates and uh, any uh, run that they're able to make once Phase 4 begins and the NHL gets back on the ice, first with uh, the round robin for the Flyers as a top four seed, and then obviously into the field of 16, and we'll see if the Flyers are able to move up from that four seed into a higher seeded position. So PR man Zach Hill was able to catch up with Oscar today after his skate, and here's what that conversation sounded like. Oscar, you were skating on the ice today that I noticed. Uh, is this the first time on the ice? Uh, it's been, uh, I've been on a few times, not many, like three or four times uh but it's been so long between between the different times so it's uh it's fun to be out there but still still tough to not be as good as you used to do be when you're when you're like normal but it's fun to be out there fun to meet all the boys again and just get around and get the feel of it well i took a couple of uh, photos of you skating out there and you were always smiling how enjoyable was it i mean it was great uh that's, that's the only thing I'm waiting for now, right now, is be done with my with my team and get back with the team and, and play some hockey. That will, that will, will be unreal to, to get back to, to real life again and, and have fun. How are your treatments going, Oscar? It's going great. Uh, I don't have a lot left. I'm going to be done soon, so 
I'm just see the light in the tongue right now, and I'm trying to enjoy my my life as, as it is. And uh, I mean, I can't complain. I can't complain. People have it have it worse, and um, I'm just happy to happy to be where I am right now. All right. Obviously, we know you will be playing in this year's playoffs. Uh, but what do you think of the Flyers' chances? I think there are great chances for the Flyers this year. I mean, the end of, end of the season, they had a real good push, and uh, I felt like our team is so so good together, and uh, I can't wait to see them again, and I can't wait to be with them and start practicing with them. So I think we have a have a great chance to, to push for for a good playoff run here. Well, it was absolutely tremendous seeing the, on the ice, and uh, thanks, Oscar. Amazing the way that Oscar has handled this entire thing with such class and determination and saying, you know, even in those comments you heard there, uh, he's doing well, uh, going through his treatment still, but uh, saying that other people have it worse than him. He's just so grounded in his way of thinking, and uh, he'll be a big inspiration for his teammates. And that was a big deal for Oscar Lindblom to be out there on the ice uh, during Phase 2 skating today. And we look forward to seeing more out of Oscar Lindblom and hopefully back on the ice and and putting this whole Ewing sarcoma in the rearview mirror. Uh, He's fighting a strong fight, and he'll continue to do so. And he's got the support of great teammates, a great organization, and great fans showing their support for Oscar Lindblom. Also, uh, yesterday, on Monday, Carter Hart returned uh, to Philadelphia and was back on the ice as part of Phase 2, seeing shots, uh, a lot of shots, really, for the first time since the pause. Didn't get a tremendous amount of ice back home in Sherwood Park, Alberta, but he was also uh, caught up with Zach Hill. Zach Hill also caught up with Carter Hart after his first workout back, and here's what he had to say about getting back on the ice with his teammates. Carter, first of all, this is your first day back, correct? Yeah. How did it feel? It was great. It felt great to get back out there. Um, it's nice to see some of the boys are here. Um, and just to get back out on the ice and feel the ice again. I mean, I didn't have much uh, for ice back home. Um, so it's nice to get back out here and get into a rhythm here and, and uh, see some of the guys. So was this the first time you were able to face some shots during the pause, or you had a couple other times? I had a couple times, but um, not very often, like maybe four times before I left there, but um, it's probably been the longest I've been off the ice ever in my whole life, being three months, I think, without skating, so that's that's a pretty long time, but I know the first time you get out there and you just get on the ice again, you just skate around, it's a pretty good feeling. Cool. Um, how difficult do you think it will be to get back the momentum back that the team had uh, when the pause came up? Do you think it'll be difficult, and especially as a goaltender, will that be difficult to get the rhythm back? I don't know. I mean, I think it's important that when we get our, our camp rolling here July 10th that we come in and everybody's ready to go and I mean we'll use those two whatever they give us two or three weeks to, to get ready and then I think I believe maybe one exhibition game or however it's going to go um, to get ourselves prepared and I mean I know we have the right group here that um, that'll be ready to go uh, whenever that is whatever date they tell us to, that we're going to play so um, no we have the right group here that that uh, I'm sure everyone was staying ready this whole time and uh, when we do get the nod to go and play, wherever that may be, that we'll be ready. Well, wherever that may be, when we get to that hub city, what's it going to be like playing in like a bubble? <laughs> I don't know. Like it's, it'll definitely be different. I mean, you're seeing different leagues across the world that have started to open up, or like the Korean, or maybe it was a, an Asian baseball league where they had uh, bowl up dolls in the stands as fans. That was that. pretty creative. Um, another team, I think a soccer team might have been Dortmund, put up a bunch of cardboard cutouts. Yes, yes. Or, 
So that's, I mean, the people are coming up with some creative ideas, but it'll definitely be different at first. And I mean, we played in front of people and a big amount, big crowds of people our whole lives. So our, our whole pro career. So it'll be, it'll definitely be different, but it'll just be something that we have to do. Will you be bringing anything like an Xbox or anything to to fight off oh, the yeah. board? <laughs> yeah, I'll be definitely be bringing my PS4 for sure. I mean, I'm not a big gamer, but over the break there wasn't a whole lot to do, so I kind of played a little bit more PS4 than I usually do with, with some of the boys. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be bringing my PS4. And uh, Carter, what do you think about the round robin tourney and the playoff format in general? Yeah, I mean, you know what? I mean, I think it's probably the best that they could come up with to suit everyone as best as they could um, and try and make it as fair as possible. I mean, for us, like Coot said the other week, I, I saw that um, like we're coming in at a fourth seed for our conference and being in the conference, in the seeding games here, we can, we can only move up. So I think we're in a good spot with where we're at. Great to see the groups grow more and more every day at the uh, Phase 2 voluntary workouts at the Flyers Skate Zone. Uh, the rule now is they can have up to 12 skaters on the ice at a time. Uh, started out at 6, now it's 12 as the group grows larger and larger, and we're getting closer and closer uh, to Phase 3 and mandatory training camp coming up on July 10th. And that'll be about a two-week training camp and then six days in a hub city, which could be announced on Friday. And we'll find out exactly what the deal is uh, uh, for these hub cities, where they're going to be. We found out that Pittsburgh is out of that mix. Still a couple Canadian markets involved, Vancouver, Edmonton, and uh, Toronto. It looks like it could be in the mix as well. So uh, we'll see what we find out about the hub cities. Also coming up on Friday, we have our draft lottery. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of things going on in the NHL at this moment as we creep closer and closer to getting the game where it belongs, and that is back on the ice. A man who uh, played for the Philadelphia Flyers, and is Mr. Flyer, if you want to kind of get right down to it. A tremendous career, a Hall of Fame career, a couple of cups uh, as a player, appeared in a couple of uh, cups in, in losing efforts as well since winning those back-to-back in 74-75. General manager, here's my conversation with Flyers legend Bobby Clark. And joining us right now on Flyers Daily, uh, Flyers legend, Hall of Famer, uh, not much else needs to be said. It, it speaks for himself, and it's Mr. Bobby Clark. Bob, how are you doing today? Terrific, Jace. Thank you. 40 degrees in Flin Flon where I'm at, but <laughs> otherwise it's okay. Have you been hitting them straight? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, lived, I spend the winters in Sarasota, and I don't get any better, but I play lots. Well, it, look, they always said it th- this way, Bob. They go, uh, your worst day on the golf course is better than your best day at work. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, i, I got to talk to you about uh, the NHL return. Um, it's so unique uh, what the NHL is trying to do in obviously a very unique circumstance with the pandemic. Uh, and when you look at what they've come up with, with the, uh, the play-in round, uh, the best-of-five series to play into the field of 16 and, and uh, the hub cities and everything else, what was your initial reaction? Did you think it was a fair way to do it? Not everybody's going to be pleased with it. I get it, but uh, we all understand the economic uh, standpoint, what they're trying to do. Did you like what they've come up with? Yes. I, I think that uh, Batman has been a really outstanding commissioner and the players association and him working together have come up with uh, as good a plan as you could possibly hope for when you look at that too you know the integrity of the actual stanley cup is one of the things that the league has mentioned players have mentioned um i don't want to say nobody wants to win the cup in in what would be deemed an illegitimate way you won it twice 
it's the most difficult trophy to win in sports. Um, coming back in this way, you feel like it does have that legitimacy and it, it carries the standard that winning a cup certainly earns you? Oh, yeah. I mean, the team that does win it is going to go through an awful tough time for the next two months after they start. Um, and it's, you know, when we won it, there's only three rounds of the playoffs. Now there's four. So it's it's a two-month run that's as hard as you can get. And whoever wins it this year is going to certainly deserve it because there's now more complications involved. You know, the COVID testing of the players and all the being away from your families and all that stuff. It, it's a long, hard run for whoever wins it, and they'll deserve it. Yeah, it's going to be a very unique circumstance, no matter what it may be known as the COVID Cup. Uh, let me take you back to the, the years, uh, not only when you won the Cup, Bob, but also all those years you competed in the playoffs, which was a lot. And um, the difference in the game from the regular season to when that piece of hardware is on the line, everything, the, the intensity level is so different. Can you, almost, can you put into words how, how much different it feels as a player, emotionally and physically? Well, we know it, but it's pretty hard to describe. The level of play from every player goes up, and the game is played extremely hard, but everybody is afraid to take a reckless penalty. So the game gets tougher, but actually there's less crap going on during the during the course of the games, and... Anybody who's survived four rounds of the playoffs and won the Stanley Cup knows how you feel when you're done. It's a huge battle. What was the difference for you and as a manager? Because as a GM, uh, you took more than just the Flyers to a cup, but as a manager, you know, as a former player, you have that control of being of playing in the game and affecting the outcome through what you do physically and mentally on the ice. But as a manager watching it, I imagine that's pretty torturous for a guy like you who was such a competitor. On, on one hand, it's like a, you're on a vacation <laughs> because there's nothing a manager can do. But the other side of the coin, coin would be it's a horrible vacation because there's nothing you can do. Um, the Just to sit and watch what's going on and live with the results. You know, some nights it's real good. You won, you go have a beer, let's celebrate a little. We won tonight, and the next night you get your ass kicked, and we're let's back two at beers. it again. <laughs> so, yeah, six beers. <laughs> that, that is the crazy part. And, you know, I, I brought this up on the on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Bob, and I thought it was so interesting. You, you guys win the back-to-back cups uh, in those two years, and, and I want to get to the elation of winning it. But since then, in 76, you guys end up losing to Montreal who goes on a run of four straight cups. And then in 1980, uh, you end up losing to the Islanders in the finals, and they want, go on a run of four straight cups. 85 and 87, it's the Oilers, and they win uh, four cups in basically, or five cups in seven years. And then in 97, it's, it's Detroit who wins three cups and eventually four with that same group. And then Chicago in 2010, they win three cups in five years. Every time the Flyers have gotten to the final, since winning it in 75, they've faced a dynasty. Is that just bad luck? I think so. I don't know what, how, what other way you could describe it. Um, obviously, 
the results show if somebody beat us, they were the better team. But it also means if you get to the finals, you got a hell of a hockey team. Mm-hmm. And we did all those years. We had great, great hockey teams. Unfortunately, if you lose, the other team's a little bit better. Yeah, and then you see a collective in those years uh, of the teams that uh, defeated you guys in the finals, 20 cups yeah. in those six appearances. It's an am- I-, I can't find any parallel in any major sport that kind of even comes close to that. It's a stunning number. Um, Bob, when you guys won the cup, uh, and we've all seen the video. It's one of the things we've been doing during the pandemic is going back and looking at the great games and memorable moments in sports with no live sports to watch. So we've had a chance to to relive the, both of those cups in 74 and 75. Um, first of all, the first cup, what was that feeling like uh, as a kid growing up in Flim Flon, Manitoba, loving this game, uh, revering that trophy the way you did uh, to finally get your hands on it and having earned it? What did it feel like for you? Uh, I know lots and lots of people have just dis, dis, uh, tried to describe the feeling of winning. Um, I don't have the vocabulary to to tell you that feeling, but like every Canadian kid from that grew up playing hockey, your goal was to win the Stanley Cup. You just dreamed of it. It was never to be the best player or they'd be the next Gordie Howe or nothing. It was to win the Stanley Cup. And when you accomplish that, it becomes one of the great moments in your life. Yeah, and I imagine it's tremendously kind of emotional as well. Uh, You guys win it in back-to-back fashion uh, with your leadership and the goaltending of Bernie Perron. What did that goaltending mean for you? He was so great and so ahead of his time. The numbers, everything, were so fantastic. And you guys had a great team in front of them. Uh, but the goaltending you got from Bernie, just, just what did it mean to that group? Well, I think nobody wins a Stanley Cup without great goaltending. And I always felt that the, the we were a good enough team to replace a player up front. But had we lost Bernie, we wouldn't have won the Cup. He was that big a part of it. Yeah, he was an irreplaceable, legendary figure. Uh, do you feel like there's a the game at some point went away from what you kind of just described a minute ago of, you know, when you grew up, it wasn't about being the next Gordie Howe. It was about lifting the, the Stanley Cup. And at some point along the way, did it become for some of the players coming into the leagues more about being the next great player but not the next great team? I don't think so. I um, I mean, today's era, a player would be trying to be the next Wayne Gretzky or the next Alex Ovechkin or something like that. But I, I don't think so. I think that players come in. It's when the, the Flyers team was the last all-Canadian team that won the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. So we now... You know, the league has had to change the way the game is played and stuff because we have players from all over the world. Canadians were, uh, there was only one American player in the game when I turned pro and no Europeans. So now I think the Canadian input is about 42 or 43% of the players are still Canadian, but you got to a league of players from all around the world. So the game had to change to fit all the different styles of play that come into the league. And they've done a good job of doing it. Fighting is a way down that 
but in fairness, only in Canada was fighting allowed in junior hockey where the players came from. Nowhere else in the world, not the States, not Russia, not Sweden, Finland, nowhere else was hockey, in hockey, was fighting allowed. And it was a big part of the game for generations, but it's, and it's still, everybody enjoys a fight, but the fighting's a way down, of course. Yeah, and we all understand why, but um, that element and the storyline that it provided is something sometimes uh, the game could use. Uh, when you look at the game today, um, and you look at the players today that are having success, um, so many undersized guys in the league right now um, having a lot of success because it's so predicated on speed and skill. What, what do you think of today's product of the NHL? Oh, I, I love watching hockey, no matter what age or how the game is played. My only, I talked with Paul Holmgren and Chuck Fletcher and these guys about the, the one thing that the change has brought when, when Dave, when a player, and just use Dave Schultz for an example, came on the ice, there was the anticipation of something is going to happen. And people were on edge and it was exciting. And every player, ha- every team had those types of players. When, when they come on the ice, even if nothing did happen, you thought something might happen. So you're a little bit on edge. The fans were and stuff. Today's game, the excitement comes after what's gone on the work that goes on and you score a goal and then it's all exciting and everybody's cheering and 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 the i think taking that that fighting part of the game you took a big character that was in the game on each team out of the anticipation of what could happen when they were on the ice yeah, and a lot of time that guy, when he would come into a home, uh, on the road into a building, uh, was the guy in the crosshairs of not only the other team but the fan base as well. Tom Wilson uh, of the Capitals is still a little bit of a throwback in that regard um, because you do have to be cognizant of the fact that when he's on the ice, things could get a little little ugly. But uh, you're right, there's so much less of that. Um, when you look back, you've dedicated your life to the game uh, of hockey is it even possible to kind of uh, say what it's meant to you? I mean, it's been so much for you, not only in the fact of playing it, working in the game as a manager for all those years and president, what the game has given you? Oh, gosh. The game gave me everything. I, I never saw myself giving to the game. I saw myself getting from the game. Well said. Um, uh, You know, I spent most of my career working with the Flyers and with Mr. Snyder, so that was a huge benefit to my my life. And the other teams I went with, the same thing. It was hockey gave me everything. I don't. Whatever I returned was just because I was trying to win. You you know, the funny thing about that too, Bob, is that. Um, you dealing with your diabetes, you were uh, pegged by a lot of people that, that you weren't going to have a career in this game. To overcome the, you know, diabetes and dealing with that, 
um, and to carve out the, the life that you have alongside hockey has got to be tremendously rewarding to you even to this day. Oh, I don't view it that way. Um, <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> I know I was drafted in the second round uh, because I had diabetes, but for me, diabetes was no excuse. I just happened to have it, and in those days it was not nearly as as common as it is today, especially the uh, juvenile diabetes. But um, I wanted to play hockey, and I played hockey. I always maintained that I was a hockey player with diabetes. I was not a diabetic hockey player. Diabetes didn't hinder me at all from from playing hockey, and it would be pretty weak of me to use that as an excuse. Yeah, that's very well said. Uh, Let me just ask you real quick about – the Flyers captain now in Claude Giroux. Um, he had a great decade, obviously, top four in scoring in the NHL. In my opinion, he's uh, way underappreciated uh, in the town of Philadelphia, and maybe a lot of people won't realize what they've they've had in Claude Giroux all this time until it's over for him and his professional career. Um, talk about the player that you've seen develop coming into the league. I remember you drafted him, uh, and it just, you know, where you get him in the draft to – and how he's become such a great talent at the NHL level and a pro is so incredible. Talk about what you've seen in, in his career, and not only the player that he is, but the man that he is now married and, and has a child. Yeah, we've seen um, Claude go from a young boy with exceptional talent to a man with a family, and he's one of the best captains this organization has has had. Um, I'd put Davey Poulin in the same class. and oh, yeah. You know, we've had some top captains, but Claude's right there with the rest of them. And I thought this year was his best year, he, even though there's been years where he scored more and stuff. His leadership... Uh, with a new coach and a coaching staff coming in and his leadership helped the coaches make this hockey team into a great hockey team. He's sacrificed a lot to um, play both ends of the right, to play the game the right way. He takes the big face-offs. He kills penalties like he does everything for this hockey team. He's he may be a little bit underappreciated for what he does, but not by those in the Flyers organization. Yeah, and uh, for those that really know the nuance of the game, all of those little things both on and off the ice that he has provided uh, a big part uh, of why this team uh, is where they are uh, heading into this unique playoffs. Last question for you, Bob. Um, uh, can this Flyers team, you, you, you've seen it all year, and the growth of the team from a penalty killings perspective, uh, depth uh, up front and the ability to score with four lines. Uh, good young defense with some uh, veteran defenders, a guy like Matt Niskanen who's won a cup. Uh, the goaltending of both Carter Hart and Brian Elliott. Is this a team that could go on a run and uh, get the Flyers to into battle the final round for the, the, the Stanley Cup? Absolutely. I think this is, this is a team that everybody's got to be leery of. Every other team in the league's got to be worried about the Flyers, although we're not, I don't think, considered in Boston or Washington or Tampa Bay's level. We are as a team. We can beat those teams. And 
I don't think anybody wants to face us in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, the one stat I look at is that the team that has not lost back-to-back games since that road trip when they came back in the beginning of January, a team that doesn't lose back-to-back games for that period of time is going to be a tough <laughs> out, <laughs> right? Yes. Well, the dog says time's up, Bob. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, best of luck to you. Hit them straight, as always, and uh, we appreciate right. you taking the time. Thank you. Great to catch up with uh, Bob Clark here, hang out this summer in Flin Flon, Manitoba. He's the man to put that town on the map, uh, spending his summers there. And uh, we'll get back to Sarasota in the wintertime. Uh, but great to hear uh, Bob Clark and uh, get some tremendous insight there from him as well on the integrity of this Stanley Cup, uh, which is obviously in a very unique situation dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. That's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily, another episode coming your way on Friday. It has been brought to you by Yingling Traditional Lager. Hey, Philly fans, grab a cold Yingling and elevate your taste because this isn't just a beer, it's a lager. It's time to spread your wings, Yingling Traditional Lager. Give them a follow on Twitter, at Yingling Beer. Another episode coming up on Friday. In the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening to Flyers Daily, and we'll talk to you next time. Stay healthy.